welcome to the really special Christmas Wiggly festive frolic recording with Terry, our Radio 2 allotment here. What a great festive frolic we had a couple of weeks ago. Fantastic. Couldn't great. have asked for better. You were there, Monts. Really good. Make your own Christmas wreath, cider tasting with Tom Oliver. And I think, just before we go to Terry, I'm going to give you my mould cider recipe. Did you like my mould cider? Of course you didn't have any mounds. No. Not no. a drop. It was delicious and it went down a treat. Anyway, at Christmas, if you want to make mould cider, here is my recipe. Five gallons of Tom Oliver's cider. Grummy. One bag of brown sugar. Half a bag of white sugar. Half a little bag of ginger. Two oranges chopped up. Six sliced apples. Five apples with cloves stuck in them. One lemon chopped. And one bottle of rum. <laughs> and Not a very alcoholic. <laughs> a pear tree. And a partridge in a pear tree. No. Yeah, bottle of rum. Yeah, uh, once you do that, you put it in your tea urn, which has to be a very, very big tea urn, and you warm it up. It takes about half an hour to get that sort of quantity properly warm. So allow yourself enough time. And then Christmas is storming. Uh, so let's go over to Terry Walton at the Wiggly Festive Frolic for our Wiggly Christmas special. Well, anyway, I'm the Radio 2 gardener. Rather strange occupation. Yeah, and I'm the gardener that's heard but very rarely seen. I presume you're all looking here confused. Who's this Terry Walton from Radio 2? Well, you all know Jeremy Vine. You all know Darlin Titchmarsh. Well, I'm about down there in that scale, so uh, <laughs> that's probably why I'm new to me. But I've been gardening on my current allotments now for over 50 years on the same allotment. So I've been an allotment since I was two years old, and I've been doing it 50 years. But I'm a few years older than that. But when I started off gardening, gardening was the famous word organic. We never understood what the hell organic meant in the late 50s, early 60s, because it was something we did naturally. We collected all the natural ingredients. We collected manure from the stables where the pit ponies were kept. We collect bracken off the side of the hill and we used lots of mushroom compost. And that was the only way of enriching the soil. So we were organic. But we all got misled in the early 60s. Along came chemicals, all these nasty things and all these nasty insecticides. And we all got all this allotment here has got lopped into this thing where we could grow things easily by throwing on fertilizers, dusting everything with insecticides like DDT and we killed everything in sight. But we very quickly learned, but after a few years of this, the scares come out. And I then saw the light, if you like, and I went back in the late 1960s to being organic. So I've been gardening almost 40 years now, completely organic. And this is how we got together with sort of wigglies at one stage, because we're, as an organic gardener, you're always looking for something extra in your armory to make things grow. Heather came along and we did a podcast together and I got presented with a wormery and I found that one of the most fantastic things on the plot. I now got lots of gallons of wormweed which feeds all my stuff. I now make about 13 or 14 bags of compost a year which saves money which all allotmenteers always want to do. And along came this fantastic bokashi. I thought it was a Japanese with a bad cold when she said, do you want a bokashi? But uh, I brought along the bokashi and that's a great compost maker. So all the soil is getting enriched more and more. I don't know if anybody ever saw it, but over the years, I've not only done radio, but for several years, at my peak of my career, which was about three years ago, <laughs> we did a series of shows for BBC Two called The Big Dig, where we did ten one-hour shows which went out around the country. But we also locally, do you pick up HTV in this part of the world? 
No, you've been over the border. We did a series of eight shows for HTV in Cardiff for the Welsh Network. And it was called Appropriately Going to Seed. And we were five old guys on the allotments. We were the equivalent of the Welsh Last of the Summer Wine, where they filmed us doing these various acts. And this is where I learned something tremendously about life and about gardening in general. Never, ever be afraid to listen to advice and take it on board. And they paid us, this old rich gardening is on the television, to do these eight half-an-hour shows, £150 between the five of us. <laughs> so we were, we were almost thinking of retiring from gardening and hanging up our boots, but we couldn't afford to. So we decided very wisely we weren't going to waste this £150. We went out and bought a resource between the five of us, which we thought was a fantastic investment. We went out to Cowbridge Hall Sales. We bought this horse for 150 quid. And we thought, whatever else happens, we own a resource. We're all organic gardeners. We're just going to get a bag of manure each a week. So we're on a winner, whatever happens. Anyway, this guy, a local trainer, had this resource. And he said, boys, he said, I'm entering this in a local point-to-point next Saturday afternoon. A little local jockey, you want to come along? He said, see your horse run, and he might win a few pounds. Anyway, we thought, this is a great opportunity. You know, there'd be a lot of horses there. 40 bags in two cars in the boot. We got 40 bags of manure to start with. And this horse went off. Anyway, won this point-to-point now, and we had £10 prize money back. So we had £10 and 40 bags of money with us. Ecstasy for a lot of gardener. And about two weeks there, he said, I meant they're in a bigger point-to-point now in, in Penturk, he said. This is a big meeting. There'd be a lot of horses there. Bring a trailer. So we brought a trailer and we had loads of manure. And this horse went £20. So then a couple of weeks later, he said, no more point-to-point for this. He's good enough to run a Chepstow, he said. So we got a steeplechase at Chepstow. So we hired a big truck. But this horse went off and he won a steeplechase and we had £300 back. He said, boys, there's no point in entering this horse and in these low fields. He's good enough to win the Grand National. So we all geared up now to go to Aintree. He said, but hang on, he said, before you go there, he said, you're going to have to spend a lot of money on a jockey who's ridden the Grand National course before. So, okay, no problem. We'll have a great day out. Off we go to Aintree. We'll take a Padfield's removal van. We can fill that with manure to come back. Or the worst we're going to get home when, when we enter having a great day out. So we got to Aintree. And we're in the saddling enclosure, and down comes the jockey. He goes up to our trainer, and he said, look, one tip riding this horse, he said, when you go around the Grand National Course, when he comes to a fence, lean forward, tap him twice on the shoulder, and say, up and over, up and over. He looked at him a bit stupid, and he said, don't forget, that's very important advice for this horse, he said. He's talking to these other jockeys, and he said, what do you think of that trainer? He said, come up from South Wales. He said, I've ridden four Grand National runners. He's never entered an horse in a Grand National before, and he's telling me to talk this horse over the fences. Up goes the gate, then off he goes, little tap of the whip, comes towards the first fence, and he pulls back on the reins. Straight into the fence, the horse goes, not a foot off the ground, straight for the fence, and he's hanging on for grim death. He thought, good God, what's wrong with this horse? So he comes to the next fence, he said, I'll have him this time, and he really jerks him back on these reins, not a foot off the ground, smack through the second fence. He thought, oh God, there's 30 more fences to go, and no way am I going to stay on, and now the other horses are miles in front of me. So he comes up to the third fence, and he leans forward, and he goes, up and over. The horse came up over this fence he went. He did this now going around his course and he was catching up with the rest of the field rapidly you now. He came to the elbow coming in and he was only one horse in front of him. Little tap of the whip. Whoop, one by a short head. £30,000 we'd now won on his horse and we'd had tons and tons of money where the garden never looked so good. So we rushed down now and the, the, the jockeys jumping back off the horse. We all embraced him and we were all over the moon. The trainer standing there. Glum as can be. So the jockey gets off. Over he walked. Tell me, he said. Did you listen to my advice? He said, what happened to those first two fences? I don't know, he said. 
you also must be going to be deaf. Oh, God, don't tell me that. He said he's been blind for two years. <laughs> Again, another little, another little thing about having an allotment. Allotment is you a little acre of ground which you can do what you want with. And most allotments which are properly run, there are no rules. You can grow what you want to, how you want to, as you want to. And it's a great change in the allotment movement since I started. When I went in, I, I took my first plot when I was 11 year old. And this was in the Rhonda Valley, which was male-dominated miners. And the average age of an allotment older was 65. And when I first I went into this allotment, they all stood at about six foot two. And in those days, they gardened in a three-piece suit, including the waistcoat, a white shirt, and a tie, and a die cap. And I was petrified. Yes, so when I got my first plot, they all sort of thought he'd be here five minutes. He won't last long, this 11 year old. Anyway, they're all gone, and I'm still there 50 years later. But one thing about that, about allotment gardening, is that the advice you get was phenomenal. Once they accepted me after three or four months and see I was um, enjoying it and I'm going to do it, I was inundated, and I learned about 2,000 years of gardening information in those first few months. And that stood me in good stead, and all the gardening I've learned has been through that. But one thing I've also learned in there is only grow what you want to. And we get a lot of younger families coming in now, which is fantastic for the allotment movement, and it's great to see them there. But I was planting Brussels sprouts two years ago. I was putting them in late April under the ground. And this young couple came in, and they said, what are you doing, Terry? I said, I'm planting some Brussels sprouts. God, they look good-looking plants. He said, you don't have any spare, do you? And in the allotment world, there's always lots of plants spare. So I give them half a dozen plants. So off they went, happy as Larry. Well, what do they plant? They planted these six plants. And I was coming back about October now. I was just starting to harvest the first of my sprouts. And over he comes and he says to me, Terry said, do you want a few sprouts? He said, they've done really well. Do you want a few sprouts? I thought, that's bloody nice. You know, he's actually bringing me some back for actually giving the plants. No, I said, he got plods. Take them home and enjoy them. We don't like them, he said. <laughs> <laughs> so never, never look a gift for you. Look the gift off in your mouth from time to time because sometimes you'll end up actually doing what you don't want to do. But one thing about gardening, it's not all about the work. I go up there every single day I'm home. I'm not allowed to go Christmas Day anymore. I used to go up there on Christmas morning because I used to gather my vegetables Christmas morning for Christmas dinner. But every other time in up there, and it's not about work, it's a real social community. You know, I'm going to be a bit political for two minutes now. The situation is in the country, there's all this thing about obesity and getting people fit, and yet they won't spend a few thousand pounds to create some of this derelict land around the country into allotments. Because one thing about allotments, you get out there, you get a bit of gentle exercise. It's not about hard work. People will say to me, oh, I won't do that, it's hard work, and you're doing the right thing. Because if it's hard work, don't do it. It's all about enjoying yourself, and it's not hard work if you're enjoying yourself. But it's a social community. People who live on their own, who want friendship, come along on every little shed and every little greenhouse. They've got his own little stove, his own little social community. We have solved more United Nations problems on that allotment than anywhere that's ever been done in New York. But nobody ever listened to us because we talk common sense. And the situation is we have a great time there. And it's all about going up and thoroughly enjoying the life. And again, I'm great to see it's a company like Wiggly's who come along, and it's a great change in the old atmosphere in the last 15, 20 years on allotments where people now want to grow good, wholesome food in a good, wholesome manner. And to do that, you need all the harmony that's going around. There's also a great move these days to actually put in barriers up as opposed to spraying and actually using other plants to attract beneficial insects to keep the other pests at bay. So it's great to see this organic growth 
within the, the sort of gardening world. And I think people who do that, and it's not only just the organic that makes it great, it's the fact that you can harvest a crop in the morning and you're eating it the same day and you're eating it at the peak of perfection. When you go along to supermarkets and you see this stuff in these poly bags, absolutely pristine, looking beautiful, but it's been grown in some weird ascetic manner. It's probably taken 10 days to get to where it's going to go. So it's already at the end of its life. If you go out and grow it yourself, and there's a great movement within people with any bits of ground, I keep I've got a great plan going on. I want to eradicate most of the lawns in the UK and get them into vegetable plots. And that's my, that's my next crusade. And everybody can grow their own. I don't care how big your garden is. You've only got a small patio area. You can set up a small tub. You can set up a small pot. And you can grow something. And you, once, I think once you've actually done that, and you've tasted the freshness of it, then you will never ever go back to buying supermarket food again. So, you know, get out there and do it. So, a little time to get these 11. Can I have 11 volunteers now? Can I have 11 volunteers up here now to help me out with this little allotment tears song, which I've written specially for this occasion? I mean, that's just, come on, yeah, you get these, get them all up here. Right. Come on, this is easy, come on. Come on, you wigglers. Come on, you wigglers. Right. You were number two. You were number three. You were number four. This is easy. I'll give you a quick demonstration. Number four. Number five. Number six. That's eight. That's nine. That's ten. Come on, two more quickly. We can't do without you. We need you here. We need you here. Come on, two up here. There we are. Squeeze in a bit then. You were, you were eleven. You were twelve. Right? When you sung your line, yeah. and we work in back this way, you then join in with a whole lot that's going that way, okay? Oh, yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> when, 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 are you all in good tune, Owen? Are we, shall we have a key? Ah, on the first day of Christmas, my true love sent to me a Bramley in an apple tree. On the second day of Christmas, my true love sent to me two garlic cloves and a Bramley in an apple tree. On the third day of Christmas, my true love sent to me three French beans, two garlic cloves, and a bramley in an apple tree. <laughs> On the fourth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me four cauliflowers, three French beans, two garlic cloves, and a bramley in an apple tree. On the fifth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me five Brussels sprouts. Four cauliflowers, three French beans, two garlic cloves, and a bramley in an apple tree. On the sixth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me six sweet cooks Five Brussels sprouts, four cauliflowers, three French beans, two garlic cloves, and a bramley in an apple tree. On the seventh day of Christmas, my true love sent to me seven tomatoes ripening. Six sweet on swaying, five Brussels sprouts, four cauliflowers, three French beans, two garlic cloves, and a bramley in an apple tree. On the eighth day of Christmas, my tree love said to me, eight turnips turning, seven tomatoes ripening, six sweet on swaying, five Brussels sprouts. Four cauliflowers, three French beans, two garlic cloves, and a brownie in an apple tree. <laughs>
On the ninth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me nine carrots cavorting. Eight carrots turning, seven tomatoes ripening, six sweet bones swaying, five Brussels sprouts, four cauliflowers, three French beans, two garlic cloves, and a brown bee in an apple tree. On the tenth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me. Ten leaks are leaping, nine carrots cavorting, eight turnips turning, seven tomatoes ripening, six sweet corn swaying, five Brussels sprouts, four cauliflowers, three French beans, two garlic and a brown leaf in an apple tree. And a brown leaf in an apple tree. On the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me twelve perfect parsnips, eleven big potatoes, ten leaves are leaping, nine carrots cavorting, eight turnips turning, seven tomatoes ripening, six sweet corn swaying, five Brussels sprouts, four cauliflowers, three French beans, two garlic cloves, and a brown There we are. I was eight. What were you, Mops? I was ten. And did you recognise number twelve? Jodie. Hooray! Jodie was back for our... Star appearance. Absolutely. There we are. So thank you so much for listening. We hope you have had a wonderful Christmas and a fantastic, healthy, happy New Year. We will be back in January. So look out for the show. It'll probably be... Pretty late in the month, but we will be back within January. So have a lovely time. Bye from me. Bye from me. And bye from me.